But even if we pass this bill, the battle will not be over. What happened in Selma is part of a far larger movement which reaches into every section and state of America. It is the effort of American Negroes to secure for themselves the full blessings of American life. Their cause must be our cause too. Because it's not just Negroes, but really it's all of us who must overcome the crippling legacy of bigotry and injustice. And we shall overcome. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was President Lyndon B. Johnson's most famous speech, delivered on March 15, 1965, when he finally took up the cause of voting rights and famously included the line, we shall overcome, clearly aligning his efforts with black civil rights movement leaders. I'm Jason Franklin, it's Tuesday, June 15th, and moving from 1965 to today, here at One for Democracy, we're keeping our eye on five key issues in the week. First, in echoes from Johnson's work on the Voting Rights Amendment, looking at ways election administration is again being undermined across the country. Mitch McConnell's semi-unexpected announcement about the Supreme Court, the latest pipeline fights and infrastructure investment developments, highlights from Biden's first European trip, and the latest on COVID vaccinations and work mandates. But first, looking at elections. Even as organizers regroup and plan after Manchin's op-ed nine days ago opposing the For the People Act, strategizing on ways to change his mind or revise the bill to get his support, there's also growing acknowledgement that significant damage has already been done even if this critical legislation is passed. Expanding state legislative authority over conducting and certifying elections will politicize and undermine the administration of our elections back to the state of Jim Crow. Five states have already enacted new laws to allow for the legislature to seize control of election oversight, while seven have imposed new criminal or other penalties for election decisions they disagree with. What's more, election officials are facing personal threats in this highly partisan and ugly moment. The Raffensburgers are speaking out about receiving death threats after Trump lost the presidential election in Georgia, and officials in battleground states from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin, Michigan, and elsewhere are quitting in droves due to threats they're facing while conspiracy theorists are running to replace them. The need for a stronger Voting Rights Act, for the For the People Act, and other protections of our elections has never been more clear. Looking to the court, yesterday Mitch McConnell surprised people by vowing that if Republicans reclaimed the Senate in 2022, they would not confirm a new Supreme Court justice until 2024 extending that deadline and expanding the time that the Republicans might hold a Biden administration hostage for any new appointments. This has revived calls for 82-year-old Justice Stephen Breyer to retire while Democrats control the Senate and calls to expand the court in face of Republican opposition. Looking to the environment, as Biden's infrastructure push continues in Congress, fights over pipelines continue in the Midwest. Last Wednesday, Canada's TC Energy announced the formal end of the Keystone XL pipeline. 
which despite the go-ahead from Trump was stalled for years amid court challenges and protests and had a key permit revoked by Biden on his first day in, in office. Environmental leaders are celebrating, Republicans are bemoaning the loss of new construction and oil production jobs, and TC Energy is saying it's going to coordinate with regulators, stakeholders, and indigenous groups to safely exit the project, which of course will be its own bureaucratic and political challenge. Meanwhile, fights over Line 3 in Minnesota and Line 5 in Michigan continue to rage. In Congress, the bipartisan infrastructure deal introduced last week by five Democrats and five Republicans is facing extreme criticism and seems likely to be pulled from various comments this week. Opposition from Democrats centers on the fact that it doesn't go far enough to address climate change, which have been supercharged in the face of reports that the U.S. West is experiencing its worst drought in both extent and severity in more than two decades. Not to mention that the bipartisan deal falls far short of the original $2.25 trillion plan put forward by the Biden administration. At the same time, many Republicans are arguing the compromise is still too big. There's also been mixed opposition from both sides about the way that this compromise bill gets paid for. It repurposes unspent COVID funds, it would impose a new mileage tax on electric vehicles, and it would index the gas tax to inflation, which some are calling an increase on the gas tax itself. With only five Republican votes and no others emerging, it lacks the votes to pass a filibuster, and it seems Democrats are much more likely to pass their version via budget reconciliation than this watered-down version. But both sides are waiting for the other one to kill the proposal in a game of political theater. So this will likely continue for several more weeks at minimum. And all of this is happening against the backdrop of President Biden's participation in the G7 summit, which included some of the strongest shared condemnation of Russia and China we've seen from global leaders, including the U.S., since Biden has stepped into office. And also a plan for a shared climate-focused infrastructure investment, the Build Back a Better World, B3W, plan to counter China's multi-trillion dollar Belt and Road global investment plan. The White House said the B3W plan is part of a, quote, strategic competition with China to collectively catalyze hundreds of billions of dollars of infrastructure investment for low- and middle-income countries. But it does place further pressure to pass a big domestic infrastructure bill to set the stage for these global investments. The NATO summit, which Biden also participated in, showcased a stark difference from Trump's tenure. Biden spoke forcefully of the importance of NATO. He's coordinating with those NATO allies in advance of his upcoming meeting with Putin to push back against cyber attacks and Russian war games along the EU border. However, there was a small development that showed one initially ridiculed act by Trump will likely endure. NATO leaders also released their first formal agreement that space attacks could be as damaging as conventional attacks which, following on Biden's defense budget last month that proposes an increase to the U.S. Space Force budget of $2.2 billion, shows the likely continuance of this newest branch of the U.S. military. And finally, looking at the COVID pandemic, private employers continue to grapple with the question of how to get people back to work as we emerge from COVID amid the partisan debate about vaccines. And a new court ruling is moving this debate forward on the legal front. In April, privately run Houston Methodist Hospital in Texas established a policy requiring its 26,000 employees to be vaccinated by June 7th. 117 employees sued, saying they were being coerced into getting dangerous vaccines. But over the weekend, U.S. District Judge Lynn Hughes issued the first federal ruling on COVID-19 vax mandates, 
backing the hospital and calling the plaintiff's arguments reprehensible and objectionable. While the plaintiff's lawyers are threatening to appeal all the way to the Supreme Court, many see the ruling as likely to lead to encourage more businesses to adopt a vaccine mandate, which would be in accordance with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission's latest guidelines. And the judge found that, frankly, if employees don't like, like it, they can work elsewhere. The ruling connects to two of the largest remaining problems in the U.S. to tackle the COVID pandemic. The pace of vaccinations continues to slow, and one-third of unvaccinated Americans remain hesitant about getting a shot. Additionally, the Delta variant that was first identified in India, which is both more severe and more contagious, is spreading rapidly within the U.S., now accounting for 10% of all cases. Although the good news is that vaccines continue to work extremely well against this and other variants. So expect continued jockeying for how are we responding as we all start to try to get back to, quote, normal. Thanks for joining us to hear a quick review of the issues of the week from election administration and Supreme Court nomination threats to infrastructure investments and COVID work mandates. I'm Jason Franklin. It's Tuesday, June 15th. And thanks for joining 10 Minutes on Democracy.